Welcome to the Wiser Wealth Management Roundtable, where we believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I am your host, Casey Smith. Guiding you to financial freedom are my co-hosts, Brad Lyons and Matthews Barnett. Hello, Brad. Hello, Casey. Hello, Matthews. Hello. Good morning. Guys, I want to tell you something. I'm really excited about technology. I was out of town last week, and I was sitting down near the beach with my family watching the SpaceX flight to the space station on my iPhone with my kids huddled around me. I just sat there and I thought, wow, look at the space capsule that they're in. It's not a shuttle anymore, but it's a rocket ship basically. And it looked like a Tesla. I mean, it was like three or four LED screens and a couple of buttons. It was really cool. It was really cool. And then I go back, you look at old pictures of the shuttle and you look at the Apollo 11 capsule and you realize, man, technology's come a really long way. So I'm excited about technology. There are so many things that came out of the shuttle program that maybe a lot of people know this. Maybe people don't. Velcro came out of the shuttle program. Solar power, cold weather wearables, which makes sense. I mean, you also have extreme heat too, right? So a lot of the fireproof vests that we have came out of that. I don't use full blankets, but that was on my list. Of, uh, <laughs> well, their spacesuits were all different looking as well. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Their spacesuits look like they could do jumping jacks. Yeah. Or the old ones, I'm pretty sure they couldn't move their pinky finger. Exactly. Miniature, inexpensive digital cameras came from the NASA program of past. Vac-packed food, I guess, for camping. You see that at REI, right, for camping. These small food kits. Memory foam. I mean, there's like a whole industry of bedding with memory foam, right? This whole industry created out of the space program. Cordless power tools. Makes sense. Outside working on the shuttle and, and other things. A lot of cool technologies. I love gadgets. I'm a gadget guy. I, I love uh, all the newest, latest, greatest technology. I can't say I'm the one that necessarily invents it in my head. But I get excited about thinking, man, to get these guys to the space station... And eventually they say moon and then Mars. What new technologies are going to come from all that that we will be using every single day? I I can't imagine what that's going to be, but it's going to be cool, whatever it is. And with our ability to produce products on a mass scale now more than ever, it'd probably be affordable, which is the most exciting part. Well, that phone that you had in your hand when you watched the, the launch is an example where apparently on the original moon landing, the amount of computing power they had in that lunar module is less than the amount of computing power we have in our handheld devices. I mean, we have more computing power on our iPhones and other handhelds than they had on the moon back then. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. That's another amazing thing to think about as well. I love how they are going to uh, dock with the space station. SpaceX has been carrying cargo for a while now, and it automatically docks. These guys, they were like, uh, no, we're going to do this. We're flying manual. (laughs) (laughs) They still have a pilot mentality. Yeah, yeah. It's like Maverick and Goose up there, right? We're going to do this manual. We're not going (laughs) to let the computer dock us. Brad, what are you excited about? You look pretty happy today. I'm excited about baseball. Major League Baseball. Is in negotiations for coming back 
and starting to play games. And today, Major League Baseball's draft is about to occur. So we're moving forward. We're going to have baseball this summer. Don't know how it's going to happen. Don't know what the conditions will be yet. But the chances are very good that we're going to have baseball. And I'm excited. Baseball's been part of my life since I was a little kid sitting on the back porch listening to Jack Brickhouse announce, Hey, hey, Cubs win. Cubs win. <laughs> that's that, that's going to be interesting to watch. Baseball. What are they going to do? Just put them all in Arizona somewhere and they can't have contact with anybody else and there's no <laughs> well, fans. Sure. I think one thing that they've settled is that they're not supposed to spit. How baseball <laughs> players are going to not do that, I don't know. How no, that, how, how that make it to the... I don't think the, they've uh, decided that. They're still working on the schedule itself. They're looking at about a 70-some game season with the playoffs in late fall. The players and management have not come to complete terms yet, but they've settled on this idea of a late season with a modified schedule. Well, maybe maybe by then they get back into their home ballparks. That would be great. That'd be nice. That I, would be great. I, I just think it's going to be weird to watch sports with no fans, especially in certain sports. It, it feeds so much off the atmosphere, and there's just not going to be atmosphere. There's going to be people just playing ball. You know, I think that the players are very aware of the fans in the stadium. As a fan in the stadium, we see them playing the game, and we think that they're totally focused on it, and they are. But they know that we're out there. For them to go out into an empty stadium and play with the same sort of enthusiasm yeah. is going to be unusual. Now, they love the game. There's no doubt about that. So they'll play, and they'll play hard. But without that crowd noise, without that cheer at the crack of the bat. It's going to feel like, more like react? a movie production for them. They're making a movie. About baseball. Right. There's someone there. Yeah. <laughs> and then they dub in the noise. Hey, the at crowd. least we won't have to watch the World Series from 10 years ago. We can actually watch something live at home. That's going to be exciting. I was scrolling through the channels last night and thinking that exact same thing. Does anybody watch these teams play each other back in 1995? <laughs> I don't know. There must be somebody out there. I think there is somebody out there. Not me. No. No. Matthews, what are you excited about? I'm looking forward to golf. I think the first full golf tournament is this weekend. They've had the uh, charity fundraising tournaments, but it was just one group, so it was a little boring listening to their banner back and forth and, and what the announcers had to say. So it'll be fun to have a, a full golf tournament. And then football, big UGA football fans, so it'd be nice if we could have a packed stadium. I know originally they were somehow going to find a way to reduce the amount of fans, and then I think it was last week, SEC announced they were going to try to have a, a full stadium. So uh, that'd be nice if, if come football season and be able to go to game. Yeah. This segment's called the COVID recovery. There's definitely going to be, I hate the word new normal. I think it's been hijacked by different political groups, but there's going to be something a little different. You can open up your economy, as we've seen here in Georgia. You can open it wide up, but people have to be comfortable going out. Right. For it to be fully open, the fans have to go out into the stadium the consumers have to go into the stores. The diners have to go to the restaurant. Otherwise, it's not truly open. Right. Yeah, the restaurants, right. if you go out to eat, they've allowed, not just on the patios, but inside now, but it, there's 50%, maybe, maybe 25% capacity. It's still not the same as, as going and enjoying a meal around other people. So I summarized the market update last week for a client. They asked me, so what's going on in the market? And I said, well, I mean, I gave them a full update, but 
my initial answer to them was, well, the market's up and Main Street's on fire. (laughs) 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 Literally, that's what it seems like right now. Very interesting recovery that we're having. In the markets, the numbers are coming back when you see the aggregate, the S&P, the Dow, et cetera. But it's very narrow, Casey. It's very narrow in the number of companies that are doing extremely well. And those companies tend to be pulling the indices forward in the recovery. Yeah, we see that in, for instance, airlines. The airline stocks, year-to-date, I believe transportation, just the airlines are down 52% year-to-date. Even banks, down 33%. It's very industry specific. Very industry specific. Energy. Energy's been hit obviously pretty hard because people aren't moving. Auto sales aren't moving. Probably a good time to buy a car. Probably so. You'll have four or five guys or gals standing at the door waiting to greet you as you walk in. It's always fun. Maybe. Maybe. You know, you think about some of the conservative stocks, utilities down 5% year to date. So what's dragging us up or pulling us up, I should say? Well, as Matthews had indicated, it's very industry specific. And one of the best performing industries right now is technology. Yeah. I mean, it seems like Apple and Microsoft are definitely pulling the economy up. Amazon as well. Yes. And the market capitalization of those companies alone are pulling the Dow and or the, the S&P 500, their indices forward. What about the, well, the NASDAQ yesterday? Would it hit 10,000, I think, for the, the first time? So, the first time ever. Yeah. Uh, didn't end that way at the end of the day, but it, it hit there at some point. So yeah. that's record highs that right. we're hitting. The NASDAQ 100 is very heavily weighted in technology companies. Right. I don't recommend individual stocks. I think actually what's happening now is a great proponent for using index funds. We're seeing we own everything in a basket, but the averages has been really hard to beat. But an individual stock that's done really well, and I think everyone's going to guess it, is uh, Zoom Video. Zoom's become the the thing. It's not even doing a video conference. Is do you want to do a Zoom? And then you find out later, oh, it's actually on GoToMeeting or it's actually on Google Hangouts. But they Call just, everything calls it a Zoom. It's like Kleenex. <laughs> I was going to say it's like Band Aid. It's like yeah, yeah, it's like Band Aid. That's right. Two hundred nine percent year to date, wow. uh, which is crazy. That's even after fighting some PR issues around privacy. Pharmaceutical company resurgent up fifty nine percent, thirty three percent up for Amazon. These are the big companies, or even smaller companies, that are they're pulling up the average. The Wilshire 5000, which has about 3,400 stocks in it, 73% of those companies have a negative return year-to-date. That's amazing. That's amazing. But when you think of it, you know, I can kind of understand that. In this COVID crisis that we're going through, certain companies just were, had the products and services that the economy needed for that moment in time. And then as we come fully open, the other companies should begin to follow suit with their products and services that serve a general normal economy. Does this go back to the growth versus value at all? I mean, that seems to have been the discussion for the last 10 years, and it's kind of still on that same path. Well, growth investors have been richly rewarded during this period, more so than the value investors. I think large cap growth is up 6% for the year whereas small cap value is down negative 25 or so for the year. So choosing your asset class carefully has rewarded those and not rewarded others. That's an interesting point. So many people have 
said value doesn't have a place in the portfolio anymore. And then some of the largest asset managers added value earlier this year because they've been so beat up after the whole COVID sell-off. My stance has always been you want to own both in the portfolio. We have seen dividends decline, so I'm sure that that hasn't helped the value proposition. If you're buying a value company, yet their dividends were stopped or cut back on the dividend, reduced buybacks. Yeah, yeah. So there's some unknown there for sure. It's interesting that a diversified portfolio is almost back to break even for 2020 at this point. What's going to happen the next six months is hard to predict. That is, because we just don't know the extent that the consumer, which is about two-thirds of our GDP, is consumer spending, to what extent that they are able to, therefore willing to, spend going forward until in their minds that this crisis is over. And you still have over 23 million that are still unemployed. That's true. That's a lot of people unemployed, Casey. That's a lot of people unemployed. Now, if they're on unemployment then we've got a little different situation. I talked to some of our small business owners. They don't believe that the people that are going to come back to work are going to be the same people that left work simply because unemployment pays so much more than what they were paying them for retail workers, restaurant workers. That's $600 a week increase that's being paid by the federal government on unemployed. top of 300. Yeah. That adds up to, it's about a, if you get the full state unemployment here in Georgia, plus the 600 from the federal, you're looking at close to a $50,000 a year paycheck. That program expires. July 31st. So maybe that spurs part of the return to work is, is once the paycheck stops, people go back. But now we're, there's legislation out there for a third round, which I believe the market has baked in. The market believes that there is going to be a third round of some type of stimulus where it be directly to unemployed or a certain type of economic situation for a segment of our, our, of our population. I don't know what can actually pass right now. Well, the House did pass a third bill. It's stalled in the Senate right now. The White House is beginning to signal that they're going to be willing to look at a third stimulus package here sometime in, in July. So I agree with you, Casey. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something come out of this, exactly how they target it, be it to individuals and employees or companies or to state and local governments is yet to be seen. If you compare this crisis to the financial crisis, we were slow to react, debated a long time on which companies that we needed to save and which companies that needed to fall. And what's interesting to me is we reacted so fast on COVID compared to what we did during the financial crisis. And in the end, the government's almost backed everything. So why didn't the market fall off? Why has the market recovered? A lot of it is because the U.S. federal government has decided that they're not going to allow anything to fail. Everything's backed by the Treasury. Uh, that was Jay Powell's exact words, wasn't it? He, he would not allow us to fail. Right. And that has a cost. Somebody's children, our children, our grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, somebody at some point is not going to be very happy with us at $6 trillion in additional debt. But right now, it's the backstop that has kept everything going. That's right. That's $6 trillion is what's, in some respects, propping up some of these stock prices and propping up some of these companies that might otherwise be facing even more difficult times. That money is going into companies and into the stock market and the bond market because it simply has to flow somewhere. 
At the moment, the Treasury is holding somewhere $6 trillion in public debt, quite frankly, where they have bought securities in the open market in order to shore up prices and to make sure that these bonds do get paid back to the bondholders. That's a lot of money out there swashing around looking for a home. Absolutely. Matthews, you have a comparison for us? So this, you know, the quote, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And this is kind of a similar situation to 1968. There were riots and protests, pandemics, as well as uh, elections on social issues. Tragically, Martin Luther King was assassinated in 1968. There was also the presidential election with Herbert Humphrey and Richard Nixon. And there was the H3 into Hong Kong flu, which killed about 100,000 Americans and millions more abroad. The S&P from January to March that year was actually down 9%, as you would expect. But there was over a 24% rally, and the year ended up positive, almost double digits. Pretty similar in all aspects to what's going on today, unfortunately. And the market has rebounded almost 40% from the lows. And we're now in positive territory, talking about how the year will end and if we'll recover and have a great year. That's very interesting. I, I don't know that I would have thought to go back to that time period unintentionally, even my space comment at the beginning. We were doing a lot of things in space in 1968 as well. So <laughs> I like that quote, history doesn't always repeat itself exactly, right? It does rhyme. But it does rhyme. Hopefully we can learn from a lot of things from back then and do things differently going forward. What's happened in the last few months is a reminder of, to me, on a personal financial standpoint, as a financial advisor, always stay the course. We had so many people that, not our clients, but just retail investors that were liquidating in the worst possible times. The low so far this year has been March 23rd. And the run-up since March 23rd in some asset classes is up over 50%. And we had people in the retail markets, non-guided, selling at the worst possible time. And it's human nature to want to do that. So it's a reminder to me of like, you got to keep focused long-term, build portfolios that can handle the volatility, add treasuries, add bonds to the portfolio to absorb some of that. We have to keep a long-term focus. Here, I think we've done a good job of communicating that to our client base during some pretty scary times. For me personally, I kept a journal back in seven, eight, nine of work and things that we were doing and basically wrote notes to my future self going, next time this happens, <laughs> do this. And we were able to deploy a lot of that here. That's where wisdom comes from, is uh, just living through other situations to apply it the next time we've done this. So I felt like that I was able to guide us, our client base and this firm with confidence this time, as opposed to being a little more apprehensive in 08 and 09. I think people don't realize that those losses are only realized if you sell. And those 50% losses that were taken in 2008 require 100% gain the next year. So it's not like you're just going to get out and get back in and recover. It's going to be a long process if you don't weather that storm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Having a plan for your investments and a reason for your investment and a purpose for your investments is so important in times like this so that you don't just abandon that for no reason. My next thought was I'm a proponent of when you're retired, your house should be paid off. Every year we lose a lot of assets under management of our firm because that's my belief. On an Excel spreadsheet, you can't really quantify that because the stock market should give you higher than what these low mortgage rates are right now. 
but I had at least four emails and several phone calls from people saying, I'm so glad you convinced me to pay off my mortgage because I'm watching my portfolio fluctuate quite a bit, but I know that I have no debts. I just have to cover my utilities is all I have to cover. That's a big deal. Brad talked about before how you're no longer in the accumulation phase of your life. It's the decumulation phase. So not having that big liability of a house payment when you're no longer receiving income and you're living off those assets is a big deal. Right. Absolutely. It's like having a tax-free raise. (laughs) Very (laughs) true. Not having to make that debt payment. But shifting back to COVID recovery, my thought on this is I really like Maine and July and August. Because you can go to Acadia National Park, you can explore the park. It's nice and cool there versus the hot heat in the south. A different atmosphere allows my kids to see a different part of our country. I thought about going there in July this year. I could get really cheap airfare. It was like $190 round trip. But the park system wouldn't guarantee that they're going to be open or what their open schedule was. So in the end, we decided not to make the purchase and travel. What would you have been able to do if you went anyways, if it was open? Well, if it was open, I mean, you'd be hiking outside and going along the trails, but this is a long loop. They have a loop road that goes around the park, but all the restrooms are going to be closed. I don't think I want right. to take an 8, 12, and a 14-year-old with no restrooms. They complain about enough already. I don't need to add to the, <laughs> add to the list. The point is, is that the states are all opening at different phases. So I think North Carolina is still in phase one. I think we're in phase two or three here in Georgia. And so it's going to be really hard to get our economy fully opened and operating and for industries to recover, especially a hospitality industry, especially the airline industry, which employs so many people. It's going to be hard to get those open and for us to go travel. I mean, I was kind of bummed out that I'd have to wear a mask from the time I got out of my car at the airport all the way through when I got into my rental car on the other end. I'm not enjoying the whole mass, the mass part. I was willing to do that for cheap enough airfare. And cruise lines, they're not running. They're not running till October. And even then, it's kind of like TBD. It's going to be very industry specific on these recoveries. Uh, I saw a report this morning. They're saying that maybe we don't get back to full GDP for 10 years, possibly. We talk about a V recovery, a U recovery. Maybe it's a baby V in a flat line. I I don't know. I don't know. But I think how that relates to our portfolios is that we keep doing what we've always done. There's really no change in asset management, I don't think. I don't think so either. Our portfolios, generally speaking, bake into the concept that there's going to be these periods of downturns in the market. Now, we saw one in 2007. 2008 and 2009, we're seeing it again, which means that we're going to see it again at some point in time in the future. These same forces that come in play in the marketplace will present themselves again. So learning today, what we did right will help us again in the future, and investors should take note of that. I think recently, even as recent as 2018, was that in December, there's a big sell-off. Christmas Eve was down a few percentage points in S&P, and we have a, a bad last quarter in December. And then look how that beginning of the year turned it around. So there's going to be ups and downs, but you just need to stay the course. And GDP of a country does not equate to stock market performance. No, they're not the same thing. They're simply not. The GDP measures the value of all goods and services produced in the United States 
over a period of time. The stock market is known as a futures discount marketplace. It's trying to discount the future back to today's valuations. And it may be looking forward 6, 12, maybe even as much as 18 months out. So it's not reflecting prices valuations today. It's reflecting the valuations of the prices in the future discounted back to today. Because of that, too, they've shown that the stock market usually recovers about five to six months before the economy. So right. if we're recovering now, then you know the, the market should probably be up if it was that short of a, of a recession. Yeah, that's very true. And also, too, recessions are different. There's a saying, right, that if you're out of a job, it's a depression. If your friend's out of a job, it's a recession or vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> so we can all have our own personal recessions. Retirees right now who have well-diversified portfolios and cash reserves and their income streams haven't changed. Really, for them, this is kind of a nuisance. It could be a health hazard, obviously, if you're in the it was above 65 and, and other conditions. That, mm-hmm. There's some fear there, obviously. But it's not derailed your life, your financial life. It's really the 23 million plus that are unemployed. Those are the ones that need support. They're the ones that need the industries to get back to 100%. But at the same time, we need that population to spend money. It's a big wheel. You got to get one of it going again to start feeding the other. Right. It's a supply chain. The supply chain of products and services or the supply chain of money. Money begets money. Well, there's no future uh, or crystal ball here, at least not in our office. Maybe there's our somewhere else. But <laughs> I think that what we have to remember is that everyone can be, everyone's probably in a different situation, even in your own neighborhood. I think this is a great time to be reaching out, loving other people as much as you can from six feet with a mask, evidently. <laughs> just help each other. There's a lot of people that are under duress in this environment. We have to be thankful for the blessings that that we have and where we are and help others. Great segment, guys. Looking forward to next week. Thank you. Thank you. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.